the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 624 for May 27th, 2018. The Commerce Department brokers a deal with ZTE, Freedom Pop announces Unreal Mobile, and HTC announces the U12 Plus. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Chunky Podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, first in the news, Qualcomm on Monday announcing the FSM 100 XS. This is a 5G NR product. This is designed for small cells and remote radio heads. So Qualcomm says the FSM 100XX builds on the existing Qualcomm FSM platform that they're using for both 3 and 4G small cells. It supports 5G NR, which is new radio, and it's a sub-6 gigahertz and millimeter wave spectrum device, allowing network operators to make use of whatever spectrum is available to them in a given location. Qualcomm is designing the FSM platform for flexibility, basing it on the 10 nanometer mobile technologies for controlling power consumption and allowing fast performance. It can address the propagation characteristics of millimeter wave spectrum in real time, especially in indoor spaces where small cells are often deployed. And it supports MIMO and gigabit throughput, uh, which allows uh, power over Ethernet for broader outdoor deployments. And finally, it includes software-defined modems, which given carriers have given carriers the flexibility to control and update their hardware as needed to comply with future releases of the 5G uh, NR spec. Qualcomm says it expects the FSM100XX to begin sampling in 2019. Also from Qualcomm, the chipmaker on Wednesday announcing the Snapdragon 710. This is the first system on a chip in its 700 series mobile platform. The 710 finds space between the Snapdragon 600 and 800 series of devices to balance performance and cost. The 710 is based on the Cryo 360 CPU using six cores on a 10 nanometer process. Two 2.2 gigahertz cores target high power tasks and four 1.7 gigahertz cores target low power tasks. The 710 is paired with the Adreno 616 GPU. Together, these contribute to a 20% boost in performance while dropping power consumption by 40% for 4K video playback and gaming. Similar to the 845 Snapdragon, the 710 brings artificial intelligence and machine learning to the cameras of these devices. Uh, Qualcomm says the 710 delivers performance-wide AI optimizations with the power to handle Booka and emoji, face detection, and more. Together with the Spectra 250 image signal processor, the cameras will be able to support real-time noise reduction, active depth sensing, slow motion video capture, video noise reduction, and image stabilization. The chip supports 10-bit color, 4K HDR video playback, Qualcomm's Acoustic APTX, and uh, voice UI, as well as uh, displaying up uh, using displays up to Quad HD+. On the connectivity front, it includes Qualcomm's X15 modem and 4x4 MIMO and LAA for max download speeds at 800 megabits per second. It also has Bluetooth 5 and dual-band Wi-Fi, Quick Charge 4, uh, as well as uh, the ability to uh, power the utility and Unreal Gaming engines. Uh, the devices with the Snapdragon 710 processor will debut in the second quarter of the year. And finally, in news uh, on the ZTE front, uh, Trump, uh, the Trump administration, that is, handed ZTE an olive branch this week. This, according to sources for the New York Times and Reuters, the Commerce Department has brokered a deal allowing ZTE to resume operations as long as it agrees to pay a substantial fine, submit to American p- compliance officers, and wholly change its management team. 
If ZTE abides by these terms, the Commerce Department will lift the ban preventing U.S. companies from supplying ZTE with hardware and software. The Trump administration has been back and forth over the fate of ZTE over the past few weeks and has not confirmed uh, any details from its recent meetings. Uh, the U.S. lawmakers, though, are not convinced ZTE should be allowed to resume operations and have been vocal in their opposition to any deal that sees ZTE allowing to buy U.S. technologies. On the carrier side, Verizon this week said its Verizon prepaid customers now have access to Travel Pass in 16 additional countries. The expansion targets the Caribbean, adding the Travel Pass to uh, Anguilla, Antigua, and Barbuda, uh, the Cayman Islands, Jamaica, St. Lucia, Turks and Caicos, and more. Travel Pass lets people talk, text, and use data while roaming for 5 to $10 per day, depending on the country. So I've been using that service, uh, you know, through the employees because uh, through the business plan for, well, it's been what, two years now, I think, or somewhere in that neighborhood. And it's uh, worked out really, really well. Um, very transparent, have had no complaints, no really unexpected charges. And, and in fact, of course, the, the overall, the roaming charges have been much less expensive uh, over that time. And also it's just much, it's much easier for uh, the people traveling because they don't have to worry about it. So it's a, it's a, it's a great option. I'm, I'm really like this uh, uh, particular option. Of course, free from T-Mobile is better, but this is normal high-speed service too. It's not restricted like T-Mobile is, for example. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even, I think, for many people matter what what you're talking about paying here because it's, you know, you're gone for a week, let's just say, and even if you're at that $10 rate, it's 70 bucks on a trip that's a few thousand. I mean, it's it's really no big deal. Uh, And it just, I'm not someone who travels internationally very often. I mean, in my life, it's been less than half a dozen times, and so I don't think about this all that much. And I recall the last time uh, that I went and I had literally, I think, three different phones. I had SIM cards from the country that I was in. I had a traditional SIM card. Um, I remember having uh, I, I had something else, too. And it just it's it's an unbelievable change, kind of a quantum shift, if you will, from a world where you were trying to do everything you could to reduce and, and mitigate your expenses when you were roaming to now. It's just like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. You take your phone, you have nothing changes and you know, you don't have to do anything overly crazy to make it work. So it's pretty neat to be able to see this and to the point of adding more countries, obviously Verizon sweetening the deal for those that travel to those areas. Freedom Pop this week announcing the launch of Unreal Mobile. This is a new MVNO that says it will offer the most competitive un- uh, unlimited plans available. The company is specifically targeting Sprint and T-Mobile customers ahead of the two corporations' plan merger. Unreal Mobile is able to provide customers with unlimited plans that start at just $15 a month because of the market conditions, they say, created by the proposed merger. Specifically, while Sprint and T-Mobile are currently working to prove to regulators the competition will flourish under consolidation, uh, Freedom Pop says that they are uh, the both carriers are compelled to accept MVNO models and pricing that historically would have been too competitive uh, as to their retail businesses. Freedom Pop relies on voiceover IP and streamlined customer service to compete with Sprint-owned Boost Mobile and AT&T-owned Cricket Wireless. Unreal Mobile, which will run on Freedom Pop's platform, will compete directly with Sprint and T-Mobile's postpaid businesses. The company is offering unlimited LTE-based service starting at $15 a month, including a VPN, mobile ad blocking, and the ability to use the Unreal phone number on tablets, phones, and computers. Freedom Pop says Unreal Mobile will offer top-tier devices, flexible service, and live agent customer service. Unreal Mobile expects to launch during the summer of 2018. It's accepting beta testers via its website. So it's pretty interesting, the, uh, th- this concept of an MVNO, which is a virtual operator, creating a sub 
MVNO underneath them. And, uh, you know, interestingly, the this, you know, the kind of the way that they're uh, presenting this here uh, is that the the consolidation of these two companies through this merger is what's allowing stuff like this to happen. And I'm not sure if that's just they struck a deal and uh, were able to figure it out and, you know, or if this is going to actually be a thing where we're going to see a lot of MVNOs trying to jump on this bandwagon and, and start up businesses because they think that the carriers are going to have to do that in order to show that they're uh, going to be anti-competitive when they finally merge. Right. And that's also a thing. But also when you set up an NVNO, there's also expenses to these extra layers. So I don't, you know, I don't know if that's actually always a wise thing to do because you have to still pay for this. And of course, there's overhead. And if you're adding layers of overhead, that may become more expensive, actually. Yeah. And I I mean, this is seemingly very, very cheap, $15 a month. And I mean, I'm sure there's going to be additional fees if there's different things that you're trying to do. But, um, you know, to start, uh, if you're looking for cheap service and Unlimited is what you want and you're okay with an MVNO, then it's uh, potentially uh, worth a look. Uh, from T-Mobile, the personal account details from customers uh, were, were easily accessible for an unknown time due to a bug on T-Mobile's website recently. The site in question was a subdomain used by T-Mobile staff to access customer account information while performing customer service tasks. The subdomain, however, was not protected by a password and could be accessed by anyone who knew how to find it. Using T-Mobile's customer phone numbers, anyone could quickly discover names, account numbers, addresses, tax information, account payment status, pins, and more. Security researcher Ryan Stevenson discovered the vulnerability in April and alerted T-Mobile. T-Mobile pulled the API in question and fixed the bug. The bug bounty program exists so that researchers can alert uh, us to vulnerabilities, says T-Mobile. That's what happened here, and we support this type of responsible and coordinated disclosure. The bug was patched as soon as possible, and we have no evidence that any consumer information was accessed. A similar bug was discovered on a different subdomain last year. And at least one person thinks Sprint and T-Mobile should be required to divest their respective prepaid businesses if they're allowed to merge. Peter Adderton, founder and former CEO of Boost Mobile, firmly believes that the market will become less competitive, particularly in the prepaid space, if Sprint and T-Mobile are allowed to merge without any divestitures. Uh, If this merger is approved without any divesture uh, of Boost Mobile or Metro PCS, the new combined entity will hold a 40% market share in the prepaid segment, which I would argue has the effect of being a monopoly and extreme dominance in the category. Uh, this level of market domination virtually always leads to rising prices, more onerous terms and conditions, and lower service quality, as well as young and credit-challenged prepaid subscribers simply not being a lot, uh, able to afford it. Sprint owns and operates Boost Mobile and Virgin Mobile, and T-Mobile operates uh, Metro PCS. Uh, Sprint and T-Mobile will have a significant incentive to restrict network access to competing MVNOs, he says. And if that happens, MVNOs who already run on tight margins will have little or to no opportunity to make a profit. And we can expect many of them to dis- to just close their doors. Uh, says Adderton, uh, Virgin, Boost, and Metro PCS do not own or operate their own network, so it's unclear uh, how these divestitures could potentially work other than just pushing off customers, of course. Um, each would have to be given Spectrum and other assets to launch functioning service around the U.S. Of course, that's very unlikely. Uh, and Adderton said he would love to uh, take control of it. Uh, that's not the driver here. He insists his goal is to ensure the wireless market remains competitive. He plans to take his case to Congress as well as the public. Yeah, that is tough because they're not operating the networks. And even even in, to some extent that the, the T-Mobile and Sprints barely operate their own networks because they use layers of contractors and, and tower companies and all these other layers that are, that are even before them 
for the networks. So now that these uh, NVNOs are you know wholly owned, because like, for example, one of the real common ones, the popular ones way back was uh, Virgin Mobile that ran on Sprint Network, but they didn't own them. It was a different company until Sprint bought them out. And I wonder, uh, you know, I wonder what this will mean for the prepaid market and if they'll continue this or if they'll get rid of, I mean, there's nothing to say that you have to farm your network out for MVNOs at all, right? I mean, they may not even want to choose to offer them going forward and end and the contracts. I'm sure these are, you know, multi-year contracts, but they may not want to continue them going forward and that would probably be up to them. Yeah, perhaps not. Um, I, I don't think there's regulation that says that you have to offer these businesses. I think it's it's more for the the carriers. They are uh, they're you know trying to figure out how they can create a low cost option, and that's what they do. And you know they don't offer the the value adds uh, such as uh, you know things like roaming and, and the partnerships with roaming across to other carriers, et cetera. Um, but, uh, you know, there, and there's also less, you know, d- different types of customer service support levels and whatnot. Uh, but either way, uh, it's, it potentially could, uh, you know, could impact this merger, uh, could impact what's happening with each of these. Um, I, I don't think, you know, divesting customers makes any sense. I'm not really sure why they would do that. Um, uh, especially since there are still other MVNOs that are out there running on them, but um, to his point, if we've got restriction and compression and, and profits, then you could see some of them go away. But um, I, I still think there's enough competition out here. I, I don't find this to be a monopoly, at least not not yet. In device news, uh, Apple said it plans to reimburse customers who between June, excuse me, January 1st, 2017 and December 28th, 2017, paid full price for an out of warranty battery replacement for their iPhone 6 or later. The credit will amount to $50.00. Um, on December 28th, 2017, Apple reduced the price of replacement batteries from $79 to $29 after it was revealed that it throttled performance on older iPhones to manage battery life. The company agreed to step up its battery replacement program to alleviate the performance issue, and customers who paid full price to replace their battery during that designated period will need to have proof of purchase and will need to have completed the authorized uh, repair at an Apple service location. Apple will proactively reach out to these customers between now and the end of July. The credit will be applied to the credit card used to make the original battery replacement. Batteries replaced under warranty are not eligible for the $50 reimbursement. Boy, this battery thing, it's, uh, I've got, uh, let's see, two iPhone 6s that uh, just came to me very recently where they won't make it more than three hours of runtime on their batteries now. And these 6s were bought six months after they came out. So these devices are not that old uh, compared to how many people were running, you know, iPhone 5s still and iPhone 5s are still running, you know, actually somewhat decently. People ran, you know, iPhone 4s for years and years without uh, this much trouble. And even my own iPhone SE now, the the battery life is now half of what it was uh, just a couple of months ago. Um, it, it's like the average kind of the end of the day, you know, uh, percentage showing on my battery and how many times it actually shuts down now uh, due to low battery is uh, it, it, it's way more than it was before. I used to be at the end of the day and I would be at 70%. Now I'm at 30%, sometimes nothing. And it's showing me I've got 95% uh, battery life, uh, uh, which of course is a complete lie. But uh, these these iPhone 6 on up batteries, just they, they really skimped on the design and these are really obnoxious uh, things and um, not real impressed, that's for sure. Right. The the I guess the point to the story is if you bought a battery and you paid full price for it, you're going to get a reimbursement of uh, 50 bucks, which is, you know, nice to have the 50 bucks back. But I'm sure you'd rather just have had a good battery to start with. 
Um, and you know, as we as we kind of move through here, I mean, we are we're, at this point now, um, you know, almost a year. Actually, it's more than a year past when these you know batteries, the initial batch of batteries was replaced. In fact, it's probably almost two years uh, on the six S's because that was about a year after the device came out, which would have been the fall of 2016. And that was, you know, a time when we were kind of starting to see these these batteries failing and, and you know, shutting off at 30 percent, et cetera, and uh, kind of the beginning of this process. And then we went into 2017 and that process of uh, replacement, uh, you know, for seventy nine dollars, then dropped to twenty nine at the end of last year. This was a, you know, it's still, I think what my point is, is that we're going to probably come back around in another cycle here with the successes because that device came out at the end of 2015, if you recall. So we're almost three years into that device. So to your point, Joe, your users may have only had these for two years and a battery should last more than two years. It may not be perfect at two years and it certainly should not be expected to be perfect, but it should still operate. But if you had a device and you replaced that battery a year in, you're coming up on almost two years now with that that battery. You might need to replace it yet again. You, you absolutely will because, you know, uh, Apple still sells the 6S, uh, you know, as a new device right now that is the, in their lineup. So, you know, conceivably, you can have this for another two years because that should be at least the expectation that a 6S will be, you know, pretty solid and supported within the operating systems. Yeah, and it's it's amazing that, uh, you know, this is the device that, that happened. Usually the S's are the more solid of the line because it's, uh, you know, it's a new design in the, you know, the 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 number and then the S is the revision of it. But in this case, it seems like the six was uh, probably the device other than having the weaker aluminum. It was a lot lighter. Um, you hear hardly hear any issues with those devices. Um, <clears throat> and so in the smaller devices, they were not nearly as prone to uh, to the bending uh, as the uh, the plus devices were. But um, either way, uh, so it is. And we move on. And uh, if you bought a battery, you might get some money back for it. Next up, T-Mobile on Monday <clears throat> announcing pricing and launch plans for the LG G7 Thin Q. Pre-sales and, uh, for the phone begin Friday, May 25th. General retail availability, June 1st. T-Mobile said the uh, G7 Thin Q will cost $750, which is a $30 down payment, followed by monthly payments of $30 for 24 months. T-Mobile will be offering a buy one, get one deal for the G7 Thin Q, uh, where phones will be need to be financed on an equipment installment plan. T-Mobile will make the monthly payments for a second device over a two-year period. They say the only, uh, on, they are the only carrier offering the uh, Thin Q with a raspberry rose color. Amazon has added the LG K30 to its list of Amazon Prime exclusives for a price of only $140. It's a rebadged variant of the K10, which LG announced earlier this year. It's a U-shaped metal frame with a 5.3-inch 720p display and a 1.4 gigahertz quad-core processor. Features a 13-megapixel main camera, 5-megapixel wide-angle front camera. Photo tools include bokeh portraits and a low-light noise mode that works with HDR to reduce grain and improve more contrast in low-light shots. Other features include a 2880 mAh battery and fingerprint reader, LTE with support for band 71, which is 600 megahertz, and GPS, Bluetooth 4.2, Wi-Fi, and FM radio, as well as a micro USB port. It comes in black, ships with Android 7 Nougat, and will be sold unlocked. HTC Wednesday announcing the U12 Plus. This is its flagship handset for the year. It brings over the liquid design from last year's U11, updating the color selection uh, 
uh, for the metal and glass chassis. It's uh, rated IP68 and can handle short dunks in water. New digital controls along the side edges help to seal up the chassis. The U12 Plus also improves the edge sense pressure sensitive sides with new controls and actions. It has HTC catching up to its competitors with a 2 by 1 aspect ratio. It's 6 inches in the screen size with quad HD plus resolution. That's 2880 by 1440. Super LCD 6 panels protected by Gorilla Glass and supports HDR10 video playback. Like most of today's flagships, it's powered by the Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 processor. It's got 6 gigs of RAM and either 64 or 128 gigs of storage. It supports micro SD memory cards up to 2 terabytes. And uh, HTC made big changes to the camera. The U12 Plus features dual cameras on the front and the rear. On the back, the main camera has a 12 megapixel uh, sensor, wide angle uh, with a f1.75 aperture. Secondary camera, 16 megapixel telephoto sensor at f2.6. Uh, HTC says the camera includes ultra speed autofocus 2, which is a hybrid of phase detection and laser autofocus. The phone supports optical zoom for up to two times and digital zoom up to 10 times. Other camera features include HDR, book of portraits, face detection, and pro mode with raw capture. The front uh, has two identical 8-megapixel cameras at f2.0 with support for book of portraits, HDR, face unlock, live makeup, uh, the AR stickers, and panorama selfies. The video camera includes a feature called Sonic Zoom, which will tweak the microphones to focus more narrowly when users zoom in on a subject. It can capture 4K video and includes OIS, 360-degree 3D audio uh, capture, slow motion, and time-lapse. Uh, like the U11, the U12 Plus includes both Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa, which can be called up via the Edge Sense gestures. HTC tweaked its boom sound speaker system to deliver 30% more sound and a better balance between the top and bottom speakers. The phone ships with HTC's USonic headphones with active noise cancellation. Other specs include NFC, Bluetooth 5, USB-C, 3500 mAh battery with rapid charging, and dual-band Wi-Fi. For network support, it's being sold as a single global unit with support for LTE networks, including CAT18 LTE with U.S. bands such as 29 for AT&T and 66 for T-Mobile. CHDC says the phone is fully certified to run on Verizon's network as well. It will go on sale over the course of the next few weeks. Pricing will be in line with other flagships, says HTC. In another Android news, per reports from Bloomberg, Essential Products is for sale, has canceled plans to develop new phones, and they've hired a financial firm to help advise it on getting rid of itself. This all according to Bloomberg, who say Essential has already received interest from one possible buyer. Essential, which is part of Andy Rubin's Playground Global Tech Incubator, announced the Essential phone about this time last year. Bloomberg sources suggest that as few as 150,000 phones uh, were sold or have been sold in the last year. It's also unclear uh, what might happen to Essential's employees. Uh, there was no comment from the company on the Bloomberg story. Yeah, how could you compete in you know against the, the global giants with something like this? I mean, yeah, the device looked good, it sounded good, but but how do you get it sold? And this is what the the challenge is. Yeah, and it just I mean, obviously there's uh, you know there's aspirations to do something that's different and kind of stand out and have features that are you know some of the other things that people want and you're going to find maybe some in that niche but you know when you're trying to design a phone and you're only selling 150 and you know the margins are what they are i mean let's just even say it was you know two you know 200,000 or two two hundred dollars uh per device you're only talking about a profit of you know say call it three million dollars on this device and uh that's pr not enough to run a company so it's uh, especially with the number of people 
you know, the engineers and the resources that I'm sure they have trying to, you know, focus energy and attention on these. So just uh, just not the right business model. Right. Because right now it's like you've either got an iPhone or you have a Galaxy is what, what I see out there. It's like I have a Galaxy, and, 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 you know, which describes basically any Samsung device now. And that's what people think of. They have a Galaxy or they have an iPhone. Yeah. Or you know, again, there's the, the kind of the one offs, but it's it's pretty rare. That's that's what most people are buying when they're going out there. Uh, on the software side, iPhone owners now have the ability to customize Google Maps by selecting new navigation icons. So Maps historically relies on a blue navigation arrow to indicate a user's location and direction of travel. Tapping the arrow will now bring up a menu that lets people select a car, pickup, or SUV to customize their experience. Earlier this year, Google let Android users opt for Mario-style card uh, for driving directions. Google says the latest version of Google Maps for iOS with optional car graphics is free to download from the iTunes App Store. So I noticed something interesting this week that kind of got me thinking. So we haven't talked a lot about it on the show, but um, when it comes to navigation, there's kind of seemingly like two types of users out there. There's either Wazers, people who use Waze, or the people who use Google Maps. And um, Apple Maps is kind of like this like distant thing, like uh, unless you're using it because it's tied in with your CarPlay and your car, you're just probably not using it. Um, and so uh, the, for the most part, I've kind of resisted Waze in the past. I've tried it a couple of times. There's a few features that I really like about it. You know, Obviously, it's really nice to see where speed traps are, to have the speed listed in the application. Uh, when you're driving, um, you know, to get traffic, uh, you know, accident reports and kind of better real time information. But on the flip side of that, it always it just has felt kind of like spammy. And Joey, you and I were talking about this a, a couple of months ago that, you know, when you sign in, you know, you're, you're a lot of ads are, pop up. They're asking for different information. Uh, they want to know your location even when you're not using it so that they can use that information to put back uh, into their, you know, in, into their uh, analytics. And so they can you know, come up with the algorithms for traffic and stuff like that. So um, there, there's a lot that's happening uh, with that. And it's never made me feel real comfortable being a user of it. No, the the, pro- the, the privacy aspect of that app is, is unacceptable. I mean, they just, yeah, they wanted location all the time. They wanted some other information. Uh, that I just wasn't willing to share, so I deleted it. Yeah, I, I, so did I. And um, I know that for many people, they're going to say you're crazy. This is the best app ever. You're you have no idea what you're talking about. But either way, that's we both have felt felt that way. So, anyways, I've been a Google Maps user. Is the point to that whole story? And uh, was using it this week, and I noticed something. I noticed that there are now uh, sponsored things that show up on the those maps. And I'm not sure if I just don't use it enough or don't pay attention to it or whatever it is. But all of a sudden, I think it was Mattress Firm uh, was showing up all over the place, and I and like it, that was what was pinpointed on the map everywhere. And so I clicked on one of them and it said like sponsored ad or sponsored location or something like that. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? You know, and I and I thought, well, you know, it's just it just one of this is what you get when you're using a free product and they're trying to, you know, pay for the service by using uh, it's an ad supported thing because that's what Google does. So now they've got the ability to people have the ability to, I guess, get uh, their locations to pop up on your maps when you load Google Maps. Right. That's that's not really new, but but that uh, where it's like not even targeted at all uh, sounds a little new. And it's, um, you know, I have seen weird things, you know, highlighted on the map that have no relation because I just load it up and yeah, I see weird, you know, things being uh, highlighted. Um, and of course, Google's going to start getting into uh, probably some trouble here with what they're doing because they're, they're, they're getting they're getting more scrutiny, especially with their their search ads, um, because 
when you search for something, basically they're promoting Google's products at the very top of the list in many cases, and they are getting some attention for this. So we'll see what happens here. They may start shaking this down. But to your point, yeah, it's becoming an ad, you know, it's becoming more and more and kind of less what the actual mission of Google Maps uh, used to be and what you use it for is, you know, finding a place and then navigating to it. So I'm looking here right now. It's very interesting. I'm looking at, at my map right now in a very busy shopping district not far from me. And um, the there are three, th- four things that show up. Um, there are the places that I have searched for in this area. Uh, then there is Target. Uh, and I'm not sure why Target would be loaded on there other than they, well, they've got an ad. Um, a Whole Foods, um, which uh, that doesn't really, I'm not sure what that's all about. And then it was Mattress Warehouse of Rockville. Um, and, uh, I'm not really sure what that is, why that's asking me. And there's, there's two of them, uh, within, you know, a mile of each other and they're both showing up and it's their logo is what's showing up on the map. Have you searched for mattresses in Google recently? Because no. I wonder if you're being targeted for an, an ad here or uh, somebody in your household searching for mattresses, because that's what that really sounds like. I loaded up my Google Maps and I just see hospitals and, uh, a couple of bar and grills around really. So that's all I'm seeing. Yeah, well, uh, you know what? Maybe I did. Uh, maybe I did was look, looking for something. I'm not particular. I'm not looking for a mattress, but I may have been searching for something related to a mattress, and that's uh, a, yeah, um, something business related. So yeah, that that's very interesting. Yeah, because I don't have. I don't. I never keep Google signed in on any web pages. So like, whenever I go to Google.com, it's not. It doesn't show my uh, name or anything on on Google when I use it. So it. Uh, it doesn't keep uh, personal history when I'm uh, searching for things. That's really interesting. So how, you don't you don't synchronize bookmarks or anything like that, or passwords, no. or no? Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can synchronize Chrome passwords, but you don't have to be signed into Google to do all that. Oh, that, you don't have to be sent into Google. Got it. That makes that makes a lot more sense. Okay, there you go. Uh, and listen, I don't you and, and I don't use Chrome that much. Right, because you're you're on Safari and you also don't use you don't use Gmail either. So there's yeah all all of these things. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. So yeah, you're the smart one in the of the two of us here, <laughs> keeping keeping all of that stuff not synchronized over. Uh, and and you know that you have no Google profile being being built about you like I do. And I don't I'm not even signed into Google Maps either. I don't sign into that uh, with my account either. Oh, that's I guess yeah. I, I feel like that would be you know you know, very, very much an issue because I pull up, you know, stuff through searches on the computer all the time. And then I go into the maps and then I find the previous searches. And then I, so that I, if I was at my desk and I'm looking for something and then when I get in the car, I literally pull up Google maps and it's right there. You can just click on it. Uh, you don't have to type in the address, but I guess it's, it, I save myself what, four seconds. Uh, yeah, I, I always just type in the address again. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's very interesting there. Um, so uh, point of the story was that, uh, you know, this is, a, uh, you can now put a car on Google Maps if you would like, if you don't like the little blue triangle, you can now do, do something totally different. Uh, in Android software news, Google on Tuesday providing more information about business features included in Android P. To start, Android P makes it easier for businesses to set up, manage, and keep separate work and personal profiles. So for example, work apps now have a dedicated tab in the app launcher, allowing employees to easily access their work apps and data. Android P also makes it easy to share devices to host multiple employee profiles, meaning a work tablet can support two or more employees' work accounts. Users need only sign out at the end of their shift, hand over the device, and the other user can sign in and instantly access all of their data. The tool makes it uh, possible for people with a single device to easily turn off their work profile so they can focus on home life. A revised kiosk mode also makes it possible to lock Android devices into run 
running only a few dedicated applications, meaning a restaurant could create a kiosk that supports multiple ordering apps and a payment app while keeping internal device settings such as network connectivity safe from accidental or intentional changes. The kiosk can be customized uh, however businesses wish. Finally, Android P includes a number of new security features. IT admins uh, can require different pins for work and personal profiles, force security timeouts, and uh, also add additional policies to make it easier to ensure that work data is not shared from a work profile to the employee's personal profile. Android P is currently in developer beta, expected to arrive in full later this year. Google is encouraging businesses to test the new features today. PayPal Thursday said it has deepened its relationship with Google to make it easier for people to make payments from their mobile devices and on the web. PayPal sees people uh, who pay who add PayPal to any of their Google services uh, will be able to pay across the entire Google ecosystem anywhere PayPal is offered as a payment option. So for example, if a person adds PayPal to Google Pay, support for PayPal will be added to the person's other Google services, including Google Pay and the Google Store, without additional logins. The new Google Pay and PayPal integration will be live soon. Two questions and comments this week. First up, a comment from Kevin. He says, gentlemen, a few months ago, I wrote in asking if the Apple smart battery case for the iPhone 7 would work with the iPhone 8. Apple advised against it, but there seemed to be no reason why it wouldn't work. Uh, You guys also talked about it as well. And I can now report back that it works perfectly. The fit is perfect, which is what I expected. Uh, But as the smart case has firmware um, that had to be compatible as well, uh, it is working just fine. Just in case anyone else uh, out there wants to know about this, uh, keep up the great work, Kevin. Well, Kevin, first off, thanks for uh, checking that out and responding back. Um, I figured that was the case, uh, no pun intended, that this case would work in your case. Um, So thanks very much for, uh, for confirming that as well. And uh, finally here, a question from Patrick. He says, Mickey and Joey, longtime listener uh, of the show, I recently ported my numbers to Xfinity Mobile from Verizon and kept my two iPhone 7 Plus devices that I had used on Verizon. Since making the switch, the only negative thing I've noticed is that it seems I no longer have HD calling and the phone calls are of normal pre-HD call quality. Do you know why this is if there's a way to enable it on Xfinity Mobile? Um, I've only been on the service for about three weeks now, but besides that absence of HD calling, I've been thoroughly pleased with my Xfinity mobile experience. Uh, I should be saving about $43 per month. Uh, besides all of this, there are other differences. Are there any other differences I may expect to see in the future compared to Verizon? I believe you may have discussed it, but uh, please let me know. Thanks for all you do, Patrick. Well, Joey, it looks like um, you know this is um, something that is not necessarily, uh, it, it, this is not, the, a problem that there is support uh, on Xfinity for voice over LTE HD calls. Yeah, according to their website, they do support it, uh, but it's only between Verizon customers and uh, uh, Xfinity mobile uh, customers. So make sure you have the uh, voice over LTE turned on your phone because that's the only way to actually get that to work. Um, so it, And it will only work over the LTE network as far as I can tell. So if you're on a Wi-Fi network and it's doing uh, the, the the VoIP calling, it may not work uh, with Xfinity Mobile, whereas like Verizon, it does work um, over a Wi-Fi calling. So uh, so check that out. Uh, when you enable that, it may activate it on your account if you don't have that. But if you already do have that activated and you're calling another Verizon account that does have HD voice capable or another Xfinity Mobile that should, uh, it could be a problem with your account. I don't know if you know the, a representative will be able to help you, but uh, that's probably what's going on. So they, they should be able to support it. 
Yeah, it, it looks like they're, you know, in the forums, it, it kind of walks through all of that as well. Uh, those are the restrictions. Those are the issues that could potentially come up. So you may need to do some tweaking of your settings, but you should be able to get it working uh, and get back to your appropriate HD calling. Right. And it has to be on the LTE network. So you have to make sure you see that, not like, you know, the, the 3G or the regular CDMA network as well. Indeed. Well, if you have any questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a call 650-999-0524 or send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.